You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. What's up, everybody? I'm sorry. I know you were promised an in-person scoop with Sam I last week, but just schedules ended up not working out. So I should know better than to promise such things that I can't <laughs> But we got to hang out. So, you know, we, we were in the to studio together. And we searched for these, the, these missing Game Boy games that we can't find. Oh, no. <laughs> the they're still lost? Oh, they're still uh, lost. It's okay. It's okay. Like, it's not like they're lost forever. They're just not in the place that I thought they were. They're just in a different place. <laughs> the search continues. And Justin Davis joins us as well. Scoop. We've got a great show for you this week. We've got the February 1991 <laughs> issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly, which I'll oh be honest, boy. we may have looked at before. At this, at I this point, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but as I flip through it, I don't. It's not immediately recognizable to me that we've done it. Before. Well, you don't know if they're like your childhood memories or your yeah, GameScoop exactly. memories, right? If we, need, we need the GameScoop. His, if if we did look at it, the GameScoop historian, please write in and tell us, and then we'll see if we make the same jokes and observations <laughs> we did the last. I time. probably will. Uh, this time, Damon said he'd skip this page because it's too scandalous, but <laughs> then, then they read it. <laughs> um, we also we're going to hear from a listener who um, he takes issue with the term remaster as it relates to video games, and we'll let him explain why. Mm. But first, let's talk about all the, the talk of the town uh, in video games this week. What is going on with Xbox and its relationship to PlayStation and other platforms and Phil Spencer saying, we hear you and we'll be revealing more about the future of the Xbox business next week. Um, man, this is, uh, it's caused quite a stir. So this is obviously all from a report from The Verge last weekend. Uh, some, uh, an insider from Xbox or someone with knowledge on the matter says Xbox has been talking about bringing their exclusives to other platforms uh, like even Indiana Jones and the Great Circle and yeah. Starfield. Maybe after a, a, a set time of exclusivity on Xbox, they would then bring them to 
PlayStation 5. Um, people, a lot of people seem really uh, up in arms about this. It might, maybe I'm missing something though. This doesn't seem that surprising to me. It seems like this is what Xbox has kind of been alluding to and moving towards for years now. Mm-hmm. Yes? No? Uh, yeah, I think so too. I mean, y- y- you know, um, it's just a different way of thinking about uh, we're just so used to ever since the Sega Genesis days and the SNES yeah. days, yeah. these like console wars. And and even when the companies are getting along or not getting along, it's really acrimonious or more friendly. There's still this sort of like we're in a deep level of competition with each other. And then, you know, Xbox has been kind of changing that tune slowly and steadily for many years now, I would say. Um, so, you know, no, like I'm not tremendously surprised by this. Mm-hmm. You know, we like this, the scary thing for people that are fans of Xbox. And I know this is silly because, you know, they don't work for Xbox. They're just fans. That's good. That's fine. But they're scared of, you know, the, the idea of, of exclusives, you know, hitting Sony systems. But the, 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 the more interesting dynamic to me here is like, you know, is could Xbox one day go full Dreamcast, <laughs> which is like, they just just like we're out. We're just making stuff because like we're making stuff for everybody. Because like that when that happened, when the Dreamcast went away, and like all of a sudden like Billy Hatcher was coming out on the GameCube as an exclusive from Sega, <laughs> that was absolutely mind blowing, right? Yeah. Like that just like was totally insane. And you know it's happened since. Like people get out of hardware and and get into uh, you know software only. And like Microsoft is called. Microsoft, right? They're famous for software <laughs> and they weren't ever really famous for like PC hardware. They probably have made it on and off. They've made phones and all kinds of stuff, right? But like the Windows hardware has never been like the most important part. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. But what I am saying is that like there is a precedent for that to happen. And I think that's the extreme end. And then the in between is like really cool right now because they have a subscription service. They have a bunch of new acquisitions of, of people making games that everybody wants to play. Mm-hmm. And like, what is the purpose of the Xbox going forward? Like, that's the, that's the answer we all need to have. Why would we buy the next Xbox? And like, I know they have an answer for that, that, you know, like, that's probably not that they're getting out of making hardware, but like making hardware is usually to sell software. So like, is that their method by which they sell software still is having exclusives, timed exclusives? I don't know. Yeah. Like all this stuff's like a total mystery. I think it's going to be a great 2024 news story for us to follow. They'll, you know, they'll do the math on, um, you know, Hi-Fi Rush or whatever. Like, you know, Indiana Jones. Like, it's not going to come. I mean, it might come day and date to PS5, but probably not. Right? Like, when we're talking about this games coming to other platforms, it's going to be six months later or a year later, or you know, the definitive edition is going to stay on Xbox, but you know, maybe PlayStation gamers will still get a chance to check the game out eventually in some capacity, right? And so I'm confident that they've mathed out, you know, let's use Indiana Jones as the example. If it comes to PS5 a year after it's on Xbox, um, that'll make them X million Mm -hmm. dollars in sales, right? Mm -hmm, But it mm -hmm. won't cost them Game Pass subscriptions. Like, you know, like whatever they lose in like the prestige of their platform as being the only place to play these games, um, you know, that's just, it's made up for in terms of just revenue. Like, you know, I don't know, I'm not a video game executive. So like, I I, I think that that dollars and cents makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. no, that was no pun intended there, but like, I, I, um, I do wonder about the kind of intangibles like there is going to be a future console generation. There is eventually mm-hmm. going to be another Xbox and another PlayStation. And like this surely would make people think twice about buying 
the next Xbox console. Um, you know, even if that doesn't show up in a spreadsheet somewhere right now, kind of with the scenario I just outlined. So, you know, I don't know, like I'm happy to have been playing video games my whole life. Like I just kind of buy every console, but, um, you know, not everyone is in a position that's kind of that privileged and they have to make tougher choices. And, you know, I, I do think that there's some dilution of like the Xbox brand that would, Mm -hmm. that would happen if this were to come to pass. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what's going to happen when the switch to or the successor is announced? And then like, like if that happens this year and it comes out this year, like just the landscape of January, 2024 and December, 2024 are going to be so interestingly different. And it's just, it's just going to be a really, really cool year for us to talk about video games in. And there's a bunch of good video games coming out, hopefully. So that'd be even better. There already have been. Yeah, for sure. What a January, right? Like, you know, everybody was kind of talking about this year is like, we don't really have a lot of dates, but like, if we just get like a bunch of games each month that we don't know about that are great. I'm fine with that. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> um, well, speaking of uh, as a little uh, um, detour, Sam, you finished Prince of Persia and you ended up liking yeah. the whole thing, right? I did. And like, I think it's a, it's as good as, uh, you know, any contemporary or even reaching back Metroid <laughs> 2D game. I, I, I really think it's it's a, a, a superb experience. And the last few bosses are kind of hard in the way of that. The Metroid Dread bosses are hard where it's yeah. like, some of them are almost like uh, fighting game fights, and then some are like punch out fights, and some are like kind of big boss fights. But they get they kind of become faster, smaller enemies instead of like a big boar, you know. Yeah. And they're really difficult, and you have to figure out their tells and their counters, and then you have to use your powers. And one of your powers that you get early in the game that is in every trailer and everything is just this ability to leave an imprint of yourself and warp back to it. And like that makes for such cool boss fights. You leave yourself somewhere (laughs) and then if they're like like really really on you you just zip out of there or if they jump away from you you can get behind them it's so cool like just the combat the metroidvania skills being applied to combat in this game are like Mm -hmm. nothing i've ever played and so i I just really like that part of it and then the last sequence of puzzles in the game are just unbelievably difficult platforming (laughs) and uh i I, you know i didn't do them all but i did i did them all in in um dread because those are like the shine spark things and i actually wrote the guide sections for those and i really like doing that but this game didn't didn't draw me in like metroid i have to 100 percent. i didn't i didn't want 100 percent this in the end Hmm. uh i made it very deep into prince of persia but then i got um like a dragon infinite wealth and i Mm -hmm. jumped into that which is very long and i also have Mm -hmm. another upcoming game that's very long and very big that i'm Mm -hmm. playing too so i don't know when i'll be able to get back to prince of persia but we'll see hey i I have a thing for justin on the trip i just went on we uh i started advance wars oh and damon you like advance wars also right Mm -hmm. i never played one and maybe i played some too i don't think so but i i uh, started the reboot camp and it's so addictive and so fun and so cool and, uh, you know, it does have those like crappy toy graphics, but it has a really good overlay anime style. That's really good. Like it looks great. So it's kind of disappointing that it has other stuff, but boy, like that game, you not only can I not put it down, but like, I think about it off, you know, between things. And it also has like, um, one thing that's like probably will make me not stick with it is that it's very difficult, but, but which is which I like, but also the levels can be really long. Like yeah, I got in these ones where like there's factories in the levels. You know, yeah. those, any of those, sometimes the enemy is making so many things as long as you are too, that I'm just like, how will this end? You know, the game yeah. kind of has to tilt to your favor in those cases in a really slight way where you can build one more tank than them. 
Yeah, I mean, those factory levels, that's the whole game, by the way. Just, <laughs> just so you're aware. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it can get long. I mean, part of that is, like, you'll get more skilled with the game. It, it gets long when you get in these stalemate situations. Yeah, right? like, there's like, two bridges, and we both have tanks on either yeah. side of them. I'm just like, well, how is this going to break through? And I had to make yeah. it happen. And I was really proud yeah. when it happened, but I was like, oh, I don't want the whole game to be like this. Yeah, it kind of is. But you but you get more skilled at, like, figuring out how to, like, oh, well, I need to bring mechs around a flank or whatever. Right? Okay, like, yeah. It, so... I don't know. I actually haven't played Reboot Camp yet, which is shameful considering how much I love Advance Wars. In the original game, you would also learn, like every video game, how to exploit the AI. Mm-hmm. And a key fact oh. was um, there's the troop transports, there's the APCs, mm-hmm. and you can use APCs as bait. Like mm-hmm. bring yes, in an I, AP- I just started noticing that. I was like, they always yeah. go for the APC. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting that that tactic is still in the in the in the remake. So you but, can even draw them off of your targets and stuff because you just make an APC, which is cheap. Don't put anything yeah. in it and just run it past them. Basically, the, the AI seems to want to prioritize like where can I do the most damage while taking the least damage, and so okay. then you can use an APC and it'll it'll pull over their tank. Interesting. Their tank and I also noticed if you do any damage to them, they go for repair. So, like, if you do a bunch of little points of damage, they generally retreat to go to their little bases and repair. I was like, oh, okay, I can exploit that. You can also probably, and then the the live game help can stop after this, but um, (laughs) probably about a third of the campaign levels, so there's usually two victory conditions, like destroy every enemy unit. Or capture. Mm -hmm. Or capture. And they don't really seem to, again, this is the original they didn't really seem to understand or recognize when you were trying to rush them and catch capture oh, their HQ. Okay. So, so that's like, like the kind of the hack sometimes is to like get things over there and rush them. Yeah. So if you have like two APCs, two or three loaded up with um, with guys, mm. like once you start capturing their HQ, they'll run at you and try to kill you, but you can block them off. Like yeah, if you yeah. put the APC next to your yeah. unit, they can't get in range to even fight you. You remember so. this really clearly. I'm surprised after all these years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what, you owned AdvanceWars.com, right? Uh, well, not it was a. I owned an Advance Wars fan site. Okay, got um, it. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. called Advance Wars Net, and so I was pretty hardcore into it. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think that you know, mm-hmm. I would just say that like the what the new situation is, and, and it seems like the AI is the same. So the new situation doesn't doesn't hinder my enjoyment of the game in any way. Like it's just like it's just it's just the map screen. You know, mm. and the stuff in between, I'm like, wow, there's some like really good drawings in this and it looks really good. It's not and it's voiced a lot of it, too. So cool. it's just surprising. Like, it's very polished. Maybe that what like extra year they mm. had with it is like part of that. Do we I, I had a Prince of Persia question. Are either of you playing it on the switch? No, I was on no. PS5 and I think Sam was on Xbox. I'll have yep. to look up some switch footage because I have a flight coming up uh, next week and then I, I haven't started Prince of Persia yet. So. Mm-hmm. I think Seth is playing on Switch. Okay. Hit him up with that. Okay. Uh, back to Xbox for a second. Yeah, I, I agree. Sorry. I, I don't think Xbox is looking at getting out of the hardware business anytime soon. They're mm-hmm. a $3 trillion company now. They can afford to, you know, sort of prop up uh, their hardware business, even if it's not the driving, you know, even if it's like at a loss for them. That allows them to remain a player in the, you know, in the, uh, first party hardware scene. But yeah, like just like just was saying, it's been well, it's been over a decade now since Xbox wasn't on its heels, wasn't always on the defensive, right? Like uh, that whole generation of Xbox 1 was mm. kind of a wash for them and even though they eventually like uh corrected a lot of their wrongs by the end and they introduced Game Pass, but then for the launch of the Series X and S, they had nothing. 
they didn't they had to delay Halo Infinite out of their launch, you know. Yep. Um Halo Infinite I mean, ended up being although we liked the campaign, I don't think the hardcore Halo multiplayer community is super satisfied with that game and then even though this generation they haven't been able to produce hardly any, you know, certainly no console selling first party exclusives. Everything has still been controversial. Hi-Fi Rush was like a nice surprise, but you know, people aren't running out to buy an Xbox to play that. Redfall is a disaster. Starfield had its fans but wasn't you know, you know, a huge, even though it was financially successful at launch, like we said, more people are playing Skyrim these days. So I just think all, with all this, they oh, hold on, just, hold on. Okay. And, and Halo Flight Simulator, Forza, like games that get nines and oh, tens yeah, sure, that, sure, are, sure. that, I, that, right, that right. have audiences mm-hmm. that, that do like them, but they're not the thing that they're not the, the, what we used to call a killer app. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's been, I think they're okay with that because they're. I think Game Game Pass is like their their current success. Yeah, metric. I think they make a lot of a lot of money off Game Pass, mm. and now they're thinking, well, you know, this is like how. There's a new story today. PS5 is outselling Series X two to one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just looking at even if like Indiana Jones is great. There's only there's only this. This is how many people can buy. They're not even going to buy it because it's mm. just on Game Pass, right? Mm. It just makes it's got to make complete financial sense to them to say it'll be on. It'll be exclusive on xbox for six months to a year and then we can sell more copies on playstation like it just it it doesn't seem surprising to me at all and i think Mm -hmm. we talked about this when before the activision merger closed like it was a topic of conversation on the show of you know the xbox message of this game is free with game pass free with your game pass subscription or you can pay 70 dollars on playstation like and and that's that's yeah, that's a pretty winning message (laughs) i think yeah that's that's the thing i want to point out if that happens Xbox gamers and fans have lost nothing. They lose nothing mm-hmm. in this deal. Right. So I don't know why, what reason there is to be upset other than just typical console war. I mean, there video, is, just video games feel, I've said it many times on the show, they just feel so impossible to make anymore. Like Naughty yeah. Dog releases a game every six years. Like I was reminded the other day that Xbox paid billions of dollars to acquire Gears of War. That wasn't their franchise, right? That was an Epic Games franchise. And mm. they had some big deals, some big IP purchase for like Gears of War is in the Xbox family now. And then it's like, mm. that was this huge like Xbox 360 era of like Halo and Gears and those games. Like, sad. Like, it just doesn't seem like that's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, uh, there's, you know, the, like the subscription service situation is exactly what you're saying, Damon. I think it's a death knell for ownership of games. Maybe like, maybe, you know, this is going to get to the point where like the $70 proposition, even on other consoles is going to be, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, and I think three years from now, we're going to have amazing digital collections of games, but I don't know what it means for like selling games, you know, like what well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if $70 games are viable. Like if, if, if Nintendo is never going to do this, right. Like they're, I mean, they have digital copies of games and stuff. But I don't think they're going to do a subscription service. So they might be the only system left with like, you know, day, day and date games. You just have to go to the store and buy, <laughs> or you know, like I mean, whether it's digitally or not, like what's going to happen there. It's really it's interesting. definitely this pushback to we've seen it actually less in gaming than in some other mediums, but like uh, uh, the removal of shows from some streaming platforms, like yeah. they're just yeah, gone, yeah. like shows and, and in games, right? You, as you mentioned, like that, that sometimes happens. It's like, Spec like a Ninja Turtles game d- disappeared. Yeah. At one point, so everybody's there, like, why? You never know some, why. There are some big, relatively recent shows that are just gone. They're not streaming anywhere, and they were never released on physical media. And there's the example Whoa. of uh, Crunchyroll and Sony. Uh, people bought mm. anime like it wasn't streaming. They bought them and owned them in their digital library. And they're saying, hey, look, we're going oh. through a replatforming 
and you don't have access to the things that you purchased money for anymore. And so mm. this swing back to like, even, even me, like I don't own physical games for the convenience, same reason as everybody else, right? Like streaming's just so nice, but like, man, like you can't take away a bookshelf full of video games. Right. And like, that's, that's totally going to become a thing over the next. You're going to have to load up a hard drive, have a system that's not updated and then store it. And then you have the most <laughs> valuable thing in yep. game preservation history. It sucks, man. It's the, it, it really does. Like, you know, game pass, I'm such a huge proponent and fan of game pass, but like that other side of it can't be overlooked. You know, what one point we had to, uh, you know, recycle a, a bunch of our xbox 360s we probably had 40 or 50 of them in the office i'm sure many of them were red ringed by that point um and that's why there are so many we, you know we don't need that many but uh i took off every single hard drive and put it in a tupperware and marked it and i was just like a bunch of them probably are password protected so they're just lost to time forever but plenty of them probably weren't and had our shared accounts on them and you know, if you do have an xbox that wasn't updated you just turn that on with the hard drive you can play all those games you know, and I'm just I'm just hoping that the, those hard drives like someday, you know, somebody dusts it off and it says, oh, this was packed by, you know, an editor in 2011. And <laughs> it says here that it has all these hard drives in it. Let's check them out. Yeah. Cool. Well, it'll be really interesting to see uh, what news Xbox and Phil Spencer have to share next week. And we'll certainly be talking about whatever is revealed on next week's episode. <laughs> like Sam was saying, it's going to be an interesting year to cover games it's just there's no way that you can like sorry i know you were moving on damon but like and you know what another interesting year was 1991 yeah it's an acknowledgement that like the ps5 install base and audience is too big for them to ignore as game creators right like it's unbelievable that that's happening this episode of game scoop is brought to you by nord vpn as scoop nation knows your omega cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called weekend at bernie's lately But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. 
Here's a special limited time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription only for our listeners at babbel.com slash gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, Sam was right. 1991 was a cool year for games. And f- we're looking at the uh, February 1991 issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly, which is the time the Super Nintendo was not out yet, at least in America. Ah, okay. So okay. you got Sega Genesis, TurboGrafx-16, the NES, and then Game Boy, Lynx, uh, Game Gear, and arcades. And I mean, that's what an exciting time for Atari and Hudson yeah, to be like, we, we can get in here. We can yep. totally get in here. This is our this is our hour. And then mm-hmm. Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, this is also pre-Sonic the Hedgehog. So the yeah, Genesis, the Genesis is still kind of, I think it was still It was a little, the Altered Beast era, right? So, this is the Altered Beast era. That was yeah. the killer app for the Sega Genesis. It's such a, such a weird quirk of history is that there was a Genesis for a long time pre-Sonic. Especially in Japan, right? Yep. Almost yeah. two years, I think. I mean, I, I just, this was a time when the leading video game magazine in the US, if not the world, would put a TurboGrafx-16 game on the cover. It's a very short window of time in games. Yes, yeah, this is the window. <laughs> and, and Atari's all over this, man. Atari! I know, like, I know. I didn't, ca- I didn't, I didn't, like, the word Atari meant very little to me in 1991. I will tell you that much. It also says I at the top. Even, I paid yeah. attention to the Jaguar, I guess. Latest info on Atari's 16-bit Panther project. Ooh. There it so, is. What a that, great code name for the Jaguar. <laughs> well, I know, but what's interesting is, so maybe there, the Jaguar was like a more of a 64-bit system. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, well, was, was I, Atari yeah. considering a 16-bit system and then they sw- scra- scrapped that and moved on to the Jaguar? Or was this the Jaguar? I don't know. It is. I, I don't think they were, they, they, they had it out later than the other systems, but it wasn't that much stronger. I think it was more in the 32 realm, right? Mm. Everything was like blown up right. sprites and yeah. stuff like that. So I think right. like they did try to get there first and you know that was what they were working on at the time but man if they would have hit with the with the Jaguar in in 1991 all bets would have been off I think but, yeah uh, at least this this month on the cover you've got it the illustration of Bond, um over the background of of the game so it's illustration over the uh, the pixel graphics with some screens from the game floating by and I like how at the bottom this is the first time you don't see this very often it says game screen game screens copyright Hudson Soft and red, whatever red oh, is. So weird. you don't usually see them crediting the companies that the screenshots are from. Yeah, yeah. And then so Super- is this just for like, uh, so it's Bonk is back. So I guess we'll get into it. But there was a couple of Bonk sequels by this point. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah, the original Bonk's Adventure is nineteen ninety. So this is going to okay, be Bonk's Adventure. So they Revenge. just went yearly. Okay. Okay. Not okay, bad. Good. And then they also. Oh, have speaking two- of exclusives, sorry. Speaking of exclusives coming to other platforms, Bonk came to NES. It did. It did. Yeah. Nineteen ninety four. Super bunk. Or I think three. Is what they called it. <clears throat> Crazy. 
So Super Nintendo, not out, not out yet. So they have a feature on Super Mario 4, mega pages of photos on the hot new 16-bit Super Mario World. So they knew it was World. Maybe they, maybe they were, they were just trying to use SEO back then and capture all the, <laughs> totally. the search terms. It's, it's mean, magazine was, cover optimization, MCO. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely like, you know, Super Mario Brothers 4, Super Mario World, or vice versa. Like that was pretty, it was relatively common back yeah. then. Yeah, or what about the Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island situation? That's that on the title screen. Mm-hmm. Or the Game Boy Advance situation where it's Super Mario oh, Advance God. 4, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers 3, or whatever, whatever it was. I love it. I love it. We've got a two-page spread on Maniac Mansion for the NES. I got this game for Christmas, so I would have either got just gotten it for Christmas 1990 or I got it for oh, Christmas awesome. this year in 91. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love this game so much. Although it says something weird right here in... Um, it says based on the original Lucasfilm games. I don't. What what are they saying? This is, there's only one Maniac Mansion game. There's Day of the Tentacle, but that wouldn't be out yet. So yeah, maybe there was like sometimes they have like weird expansions or other editions right away after the game came out. Maniac Mansion and then Maniac Mansion, or maybe it was a different uh, uh, issues on computer, right? Like the Commodore version versus the I don't know yeah. DOS version or whatever. Yeah, and then in the bottom corner for Maniac Mansion, it says there's an ad for the Game Pro Hot Tips Hotline. <laughs> so that that must have like bothered the EGM editors. That's oh, really. Do funny. you think? I wonder if Game Pro started as a game help imprint, and it was just doing guides because the name Game Pro, like maybe maybe for a little while before it was a magazine, it was just doing code books or something. I don't think so. Anyway, I mean, I've never seen an early copy of Game Pro. Like, I don't even know when it started. Like, that was not around when I was. But that's that's the one that GameStop ended up pushing, right? No, GameStop did uh, uh, Game, Game Informer. Informer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the era of Game Pro started and ended in. This is an ad for a couple of games, uh, an NES game and a Game Boy game. I'm not familiar with Clash Ball with a K. Cool. Sam, you know this one? I, I don't know if that came out. It's some sort <laughs> yeah. of a battle sport game, and then Fish Dude. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So the, really other, like... is the upper left one an NES game? Yeah. I don't think that it may have came out of a Game Boy. I have never seen that box art. Yeah. I have pretty good memories of that. So is that cool. of the Charlie the Tuna in the corner there? The future like in your face. Yeah, this is Fish Dude. And I, and like, I like Fish Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I like that there's a dolphin in the corner and he's just saying, yo. Yep. <laughs> just yo. for no reason. Um, this is back in that era. We've made this observation before of like, you know, the ads when you're a kid and, and reading these these magazines, the ads are just as entertaining. Like it's just as much a part of the experience as the content in the magazine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there was no distinction between like, oh man, Metal Storm, that looks so dope. And it didn't matter if it was an ad or like a preview that that a, that a professional had written. I've Got confirmed it. that Clash Ball did come out for the NES. Okay. It was by the developer Sofell and it came out in July, 1991. So this all checks out. Mm-hmm. Now that I see the cartridge, I guess I recognize it, but the, the box art, which is the same image, just blown up, I didn't. Mm. We talked about IRIM uh, last episode, and Sam mentioned yeah. Metal Storm. And this is said game, Metal Storm. Very cool game, game with, with a, game with a poster. With a gravity flipping mechanic. And then two Game Boy games, R-Type and Kung Fu Master. Cool. Let me see. Great ad. Yeah. Um, okay, some good letters here in the letters section. There t- someone writes in asking about the Giga Drive. Jimmy says, I called Sega and asked them about the Giga Drive. They said there was no such thing. And they said that you made it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what they would have been talking about. Maybe the 32X? Yeah, or some other. They said, expansion. well, Jimmy, 
These are the kinds of problems we run into when we either know more than the company does, know more than the company wants us to know, or know more than the company wants you to know. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, funny. Let's see, uh, 32-bit NEC, yeah, as someone's asking um, if they would bring the super graphics over for the turbo graphics. This, so the turbo graphics is the PC engine. The PC engine got a couple upgrades in Japan, like the, the super graphics and then a couple different CD add-ons and, but they would never end up only one CD add-on would be end up brought over, mm-hmm. not the super graphics. And for the super like, graphics in Japan, I think only four or five games were actually released for it. Okay. So, okay. Wait, so circling back to the Giga Drive thing for a yep. second, EGM printed, you know, clearly a rumor mm-hmm. or something like Sega's working on a new thing. It's called the Giga Drive. And Jimmy calls up Sega. Yeah. <laughs> calls like, hey. Sega. <laughs> and then Sega says, Sega, Sega Sega says America, no EGM made that up <laughs> yeah the reporting would have been on Sega of Japan because that's where all the stuff came from and Sega of America like there's a legit chance that they had no idea what was coming I love I love that so much I love that it's 1991 and you know like technically the internet existed but it's basically pre-internet and so yeah. you mm-hmm. hear about something and you just call it like I'm gonna call up Panasonic and get the skinny on this like, it's got a new VCR coming and then like somebody on the other end is like yeah we do <laughs> But we mentioned how there's a TurboGrafx 16 game on the cover and there's what one, two, three, four, five letters here. Just talking about how they want more TurboGrafx covers. So this was wow. the, that small window of time. And, and it totally wow. got me. I, I loved my TurboGrafx and I like wanted to like evangelize it just like that. Cool. This is this ad here for uh, Akari Warriors 3 is bizarre because it's just an illustration of people lining up to see a, the movie Akari Warriors 3. No screenshot of the game at all. Let me let me psychologically try to break this down. Okay. I think what it's doing is that Akari Warriors is a amalgam of multiple Rambo, Commando. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Stallone stuff. So you got Rocky over there. And so it's like, I think they're trying to say it's a blockbuster game and like a blockbuster war game. And I think, I think it, it gets across to the yeah. children of 1991. And maybe in that era, it was maybe a little bit more cinematic than, yeah, um, than some games that were coming out. Well, that's the, that's the irony here is that like Ikari, it those the, well, the NES games don't age well. And it, that says it's the NES version. It's it's like Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah they're, this, like, this is they're, also they're, it, it's a bad game. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crappy. Like it was rushed and crappy. Like kind of 1942 style for NES. It's like the 1940 games are cool in the arcade, but man, the NES port is so bad. Yeah, what a wild series. The first one is like Rambo and Commando in in like a jungle setting. The second one is on an alien planet, and you're shooting aliens. And then the third one is like the the camera is much more zoomed in, and it's it's about punching and kicking. Mm. <laughs> really strange. Yeah. But here it is. It says right here to be the first one on your block to see the hit of the year, call SNK at 1 800 play SNK. Cool. So funny. They're just inviting people to call them. There's a very, there's a man. So, okay, sorry, two more things. You can clearly see the Stallone knockoff on the left side. Oh, of the yeah. Screen Yo, that's the box okay. and <laughs> oh, and then look here. I just noticed this coming up Predator. Yeah. And then there's also the man right next to him on the right is incredibly <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> don't. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. children should not talk to him. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Hopefully he's not going to see any kids. Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, this is a two-page, oops, two-page effort for Stormlord on the uh, Sega Genesis, which is I th- most notable because there had to be some censorship. I think uh, this is like a PC game at the time that had a little bit of nudity in it, and then I think they mm-hmm. ran screenshots of the game before it was released that had the nudity in it. But then by the time the game actually came out, the bits were covered up. Mm. Okay, four megabits were covered up. Four megabits were covered up. 
Uh, these guys want to know about Famitsu Magazine. David wrote in to say, in issue 16, you reported on the Japanese game magazine Famitsu. I would like to know if there's any way to get the magazine in, in Japanese or even translated to English. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then listen to this. Yeah, I think you'll both appreciate this. They, um, they responded, this is just a few of the hundreds upon hundreds of letters we got in asking for more information about Japanese best biweekly magazine Famitsu with over 200 pages of great previews and reviews loaded with hundreds of screenshots of games that are months ahead of any U.S. release. We can easily understand why so many readers are interested in this great magazine. Fortunately, the magazine is relatively easy to find. We know of two highly reputable Japanese bookstores which carry Famitsu. The first is Kino Kunuya Bookstores of America, located at Japan Center Kino Kunuya Building on Webster Street in San Francisco, which is still cool. there today. Yeah. Are you serious? The bookstore is? Mm -hmm. Do you think you can get it's Famitsu old. there? <laughs> Probably. I think you can, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm I going. Love, yeah, I love that place. Um, no, like, again, you have to understand that video games were the, you know, Japan was this magical land where video games came from when you were reading a magazine and you were, you know, eight or nine years old. And Famitsu is legendary, right? Yeah. And like, yep. you know, and I'm, and, and like, you know, in the internet age, I don't know how much that still sort of comes through for like, you know, the enthusiast gamers of today, but. It was this legendary magazine that, that like I'd never seen a Famitsu in my life. I'd only ever heard about it. And then um, one of my prized possessions, I still have it to this day, was when mm. I, I've been in Japan once in my life and had to go buy an issue of Famitsu. Can't read it. Can't understand any of it. No, but it, just, it feels, re feels really good to own one. That's really cool. I, I, I missed out on doing that. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to buy a new issue of Famitsu when going to game stores there. That, that's such a good idea. <clears throat> yeah, it was new at the time. I mean, that was, gosh, over 20 years ago at this point. That's so, so cool. I mean, I went to Japan for the first time in 2000 and I studied abroad for a summer and I bought every issue of Famitsu I could. So it was like a new issue every two weeks. Uh, so mm -hmm. I don't know, I got the 20 issues or something. And yeah, they're just, they're so cool to flip through and just look at and like, you, you know, you would recognize familiar games and know that they're, you know, months away or a year away from coming to the US. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's an awesome feeling. Wow. This is such an ugly ad on this page. Prepare yourself for the invasion. Two hot new games on the way from NTVIC, something I've never heard of. But Isolated Warrior for NES is like an is isometric running gun game, I think. Yeah, I remember that And one. then there's an, uh, kind of an ugly, I, I guess it's a, a Game Boy game called Power Mission. Thrilling war simulation game. But just the mm -hmm. layout of this ad is really uh, displeasing to my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard of NTV, NTV International Corporation is what they're such a gold rush to make games then now i don't think they were calling it the super nintendo yet they're calling it the sfx and someone writes in t jones from chicago wrote in to say i have repeatedly called nintendo asking about their new sfx and when it will come out i've talked to four different counselors and they all say the same thing there are no plans to bring out a super <laughs> nintendo in the u.s they say that it is only meant for the japanese market what they say about your magazine is not fit to print but essentially they say you are making it up <laughs> Should I keep my money for an SFX or buy a new bike? Oh, that's funny. If this was ninety one. Wouldn't the wouldn't the Super Nintendo come out like very shortly after? Didn't it come out that summer? Yeah, Maybe that year. Isn't is this magazine all letters? What's happening? <laughs> well, it's just it, a letter it, section at the beginning. It's just just it keeps keeps going. <laughs> the SFX. Wait. I forgot. I mean, so they had the F the FX chip chip layer. Yeah. Like, and you know, the Nintendo 64 was the Ultra 64 and the GameCube was the Dolphin. Like there's, you know, and the DS was the Nitro. Like there's always these cool code names. I didn't remember that about the SNES. What page are we on? Like 16? Yep, page 16. Okay, we're in, that's 16 <laughs> pages of letters. No, no, right? it's been mostly ads. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you, you, you see what I'm getting at here. Well, just like 
why, in the year that the Super Nintendo would be released in the U.S., why are Nintendo gameplay counselors telling fans that it's not coming to the U.S.? Yeah. They have no how idea. Is that, how is that happening? I mean, N- Nintendo of Japan, notoriously, like Nintendo of America had, maybe still to this day, has no real power, right? Like, yeah. they're just, like, Nintendo of Japan just, you know, it's like their little sibling. They're like, we'll tell you when your console's coming out. Get ready. <laughs> I guess, so yeah. maybe they didn't know, or maybe they're just not trying to, you know, it's like, let's sell as many NESs as we can until the new thing comes out. This yeah, year, yeah. you will make Wii Music look like the coolest thing in the world at E3. <laughs> oh yep. Go forth. Do our bidding, Reggie. <laughs> he tried. You know. He certainly did. Uh, Adam writes in about, he's worried about game rentals. He says, I recently uncovered a news bit that has started to worry me. It is my understanding that Nintendo's efforts to ban Blockbuster video from photocopying the NES instruction books has been successful, thus eliminating its ability to rent NES carts. I was wondering if this also applies to Nintendo carts, to just Nintendo carts, not third-party games. Also, will this apply to the Genesis or dread, I say, the Neo Geo? I beg all of you reading this to write to the proper reps in the government to stop such such nonsense in the future. Why? I mean, do you, you remember what this resulted in? You remember the, do, the knockoff Captain Code or whatever? Yeah, they would like, just like manuals? print their own manuals. But yeah, also, why, why? So if Blockbuster had, you know, 15 copies of a game, they had to buy those 15 copies. Couldn't they just include the instruction manual with it when they rented it? People would just steal them. Or yeah, yeah. The people would but wait, lose but them or no, pages would get torn or whatever. Yeah. yeah, sure. I get that. But like, then you charge yeah. whatever. We don't need to get into it. But, but like, then just, I bet... I don't know. Was, there, was it possible to get replacement instruction manuals? Yeah. I never tried to do that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll skip ahead. Oh, and also bit. remember that they did not want rental companies to be renting games at all. Like that right. was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. They did, was, any they any way to fight it, like including like, well, this is, you guys are, you know, distributing, you know, copies of our trademark material mm-hmm. is like just a route to stop them from doing it. Right. Oh, in the love re- this review page. In the review crew, uh, they d- they thought G.I. Joe for N- NES was pretty good. Two sevens, two eights. Yeah. Arch Rivals, the basketball game, got three sixes and an eight. But I don't like this ad for um, two pinball games from HAL. because just, It just says pinball at the top, and then one of them is Revenge of the Gator for Game Boy, which is very good, but they kind of bury the lead there. And the other is Rollerball for NES, which I haven't played. Yeah, both pretty corny. Uh, HAL America, that has nothing to do with the HAL Japan, does it? Uh, I gotta look that up now. Oh, I guess I, think, I would have I think assumed so, yeah. it was, but this is what they were doing before Smash Brothers. It says, <laughs> "Isn't that Ga- the company?" Um, yeah. Well, they're the Kirby company. Yeah, Kirby. Yeah, that's right. It says Gator selected number six all-time best Game Boy title by Nintendo Power Magazine. Yeah, Revenge of the Gator is great. It is great. Is that a good one? I just yeah. have the cartridge, and I never, I never tried those games. They weren't Roller crazy Ball about sucks. They weren't crazy about Rad Gravity, Sam. <laughs> wow, that's a fun game. You got uh, a three on the low end and a six on the high end. Something Ninja Crusaders, a game I'm not familiar with, got three sixes and a five. But they love mm. Quantum Fighter. I think that's yeah, the game where you attack Fighter. with your hair. That was a big game. Four nines. I've never even that's heard crazy. of this game. I know it's like a, a, a cult favorite on the NES. Cool. <laughs> Last Alert is a, is a TurboGrafx game that's a, an Ikari Warriors-like they weren't mm-hmm. crazy about TV sports football. Arrow Flash, Flash is a shooter on the Turbo that, or on the Genesis that I'm not familiar with. Um, what, what's worth, what's worth um, commenting on here? Zarler Mercenary for the Atari Lynx got all fives. And this is only notable. What? It's, a, it's a, a scrolling shooter, but it has a very funny ending sequence. So I encourage you to look up mm-hmm. the ending to Zarler Mercenary on the Atari Lynx on YouTube. <laughs> Zarler. 
Yeah. Weird. Gaming gossip. It's confirmed Van Dam on Rick D's late night talk show. I've never heard of Rick D's late night talk show. <laughs> stated his next movie would have him playing twins. As one twin, he must rescue his kidnapped girlfriend. And in the end, he must fight himself as the other twin. Sound familiar? A double dragon movie sure sounds like a big box office to this movie mogul. What? Okay, so Van Dam did a, a movie where he played twins called Double Impact. It's not a double dragon movie. And I don't think he had to fight his brother at the end. You were, you I don't not, think Bimmy and Jimmy are twins. Yeah, they're not twins. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, what's worth calling out here? Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of fighting, Tengen has a Genesis version of Pit Fighter ready to do battle directly with SFX's final fight from Capcom. See, they're still calling it SFX. They've mentioned SFX and Super Nintendo in this magazine. Interesting. So Pit Fighter had a, a brief blip in that kind of Street Fighter Mortal Kombat zone. Yeah. Yep. But obviously the world has not been taken over by Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter in, in January of 1991, right? Like we're talking about later in 1991, I guess, for Street Fighter. Is that what's happening here? But mm-hmm. Pit Fighter was like a photo real game like like Mortal Kombat. Very, very bad fighting game, but like blew my friend's minds, like with its graphics, you know? And then we would rent it. I'd be like, this is unplayable. Yeah, I like playing it in the arcade. All your favorite Star Wars movies are now coming to the big inn. Seems that Lucasfilm Games has designed the game that Beam will develop and then JVC will distribute and Taxan will handle sales. Woo! They're talking <laughs> about the NES games, I think. And then they wonder, will, will Star Wars appear on the SFX? Mm-hmm. Which, of course, yes, yeah, Super I, Star Wars. I, I, I really like this, the, the weird, funky uh, NES Star Wars. And in Empire Strikes Back, they're both like just very strange games. Oh, they're yeah, great. There's like a yeah. spider Darth Vader in there. From the dark er- the dark period for uh, Star Wars, where like Star Wars just kind of went away and became a little bit weird and unpopular. <clears throat> the the very final line of this Quarterman Damon is the U.S. armed forces are still in the Mid East. How about sending everyone home and settle things out on Nintendo instead? Wow, that's like that's surprisingly <laughs> yeah engaged with uh, U.S. foreign policy for this yeah. magazine. It's just buried in this paragraph about random yeah. miscellaneous rumors. I mean, yeah, a couple sentences before that is Lolo is back. Lolo <laughs> 3 is soon to appear with a whole new assortment of mind-provoking puzzles. I'm going to go Bring our troops that, home. <laughs> yeah, this is the only example in history of Lolo 3 and uh, the conflict in the Middle East being referenced in the same <laughs> paragraph of text. Except maybe on uh, Crazy Ed's talk show or whatever that was. Now, <laughs> yeah, goes on there. Kicks, Kicks is a very early arcade game. It's very primitive. I like it's fun, but you know, it was just, it's, it's that game where you need to outline uh, areas of the play field while avoiding the kicks that's floating around the screen. But look what they make this game, how they're trying to sell this game. I love it. I love visualizing puzzle games. It's so great. They're like falling into a, a, a tempest, like, you know, like, I don't know, psychedelic scape. It's so great. I I love kicks. What kind of a controller? I guess it's just a regular NES controller. Kicks is a Taito game, as you can see there, but uh, it, it came out in arcades and it's in the same cabinet style as like Jungle Hunt or Jung- and um, uh, uh, I don't know, Zookeeper and like a bunch of games. So you always see it in a big bank uh, elevator action. It's such like a cool classic uh, era of arcade game. It works perfectly in the NES. Love that game. On the uh, nightstand here, there's just a sandwich, a full sandwich just sitting there. I guess maybe he's he's neglecting to eat because he's so into kicks. So 
now when I see this, either we've talked about this ad before or we have done this magazine, which is just cracking me up. Except this is the those first letters, thing I remember is the, I don't remember, is the stupid kicks ad. I don't remember talking about any of those letters, though. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Genesis does Joe Montana football. I was never into sports games, but I love seeing like this title screen on for mm -hmm. Joe Montana. That looks great to me with just digitized blood. Joe Montana. One of the, this is not well. One of them is what's the, the famous one? Talking football, right? But this football is great too. This is a great game. Like people, this blew my friends' minds. Everybody was playing this. Uh, Genesis does it all. So they list all these games you can play on Genesis, and they separate them by category. So there's arcade games like Golden Axe, Space Area Two, Super Hang On. But then in the category of music video is Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Wait, no, no. Nice. no. Nope. <laughs> Also, an arcade game. I guess they're different. The arcade and the Genesis versions are different, but. Um, and then there's adventure sports games, action games, strategy puzzle games, and then coming soon, Dick Tracy, Spider-Man, and then Mickey Mouse and Castle Illusion. And Spider-Man is just, it's just a screenshot of the, of the cartoon. Nothing to show there <laughs> of the game yet. Maybe this is a little too early. So adventure games are like Fantasy Star 2. Like maybe RPG role-playing game hadn't oh, yeah, like cool. risen in the parlance very much yet. Yeah, well, as, yeah. As we talked about, Nintendo Power had to have a whole feature explaining what RPGs were when Final That's Fantasy right. came out. Yeah. And Final RPGs Fantasy was what, 1990 or 91? In, a, in the US, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Atari set to roar with new Panther 16-bit machine. Look at yeah. they kind of show a 3D-ish thing. Is that just like what is that? What is that game? Called? It's hard driving, I think. Hard, hard driving. Yeah, or race driving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It says I, to I, you'll go ahead, Justin. Oh, I just I don't want to read the whole blurb to figure out whether this is something that got canceled or whether this turned into the Jaguar. Yeah. It says to be able to compete with the Super Famicom and Genesis, mm -hmm. the Panther would have to have eye-popping, well-known software like Stun Runner, Hydra, or Race Driving from the Atari Games Corp coin op staples. Sure. Do you guys remember Hydra? That's the, the boat boat race. Yeah, oh. and, and it was like yeah. one of the first 3D games that was kind of ubiquitous in arcades. And I, a giant, I think, dual cabinet. Like it was just huge and, you know, low frame rate and stuff like that. I remember it being pretty flashy, but I, I was like, why would I pay a dollar to play this? This is a two-page ad for The Immortal on NES, which is a very cool game. It's from EA, and it has great animation, and it's surprisingly gory and bloody. But it's the NES version, and this also came to at least the Genesis, if, that, if not the Super Nintendo. Um, I would say why you advertise this version of the game, but maybe the Genesis version came later. I'm not sure. Yeah. It says squeamish types and people with heart conditions should proceed with caution. I remember the graphics being so impressive to me. that. Yep. Great animation. Uh, next wave, game previews. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I completely missed that on the NES. Never played that one. Here's Lolo yeah, 3. two of them. Z Zombie Nation, Sam. Hell yeah. I can't believe it because Zombie Nation even gets a blurb. That game is so rare and so good. You play as a giant disembodied samurai head, yeah. and you there's somehow zombies and people, and it's a shooter. It's just <laughs> so crazy and wonderful. <laughs> and then uh, Nobunaga's Ambition 2, and they actually make a uh, point of mentioning that it's MMC5, 3 meg plus 128K RAM. I don't even know what MMC5 means. Is that an sure extra that chip that, that was added to NES cards? Maybe. I don't, the, even, I don't the, even know. The they, did have very, they frequently had those. That, the, the, yeah, the megs were a big thing back in the 90s. Like, this is a 4 meg cart or an 8 meg cart, and that was a real, like, indicator yeah. of, like, how big and complex the game was. And how expensive. There's the original Euphoria, which is now getting... A sequel from Sunsoft, and uh, this version 
never came out in the United States, I don't think. I think it only came to PAL territories. That's right. So kind of an infamous Sunsoft game. And there's a confusing ad for uh, Neo Geo, <laughs> which has a plain hot dog. It says, if you're still playing Sega, NEC, or Nintendo, you're nothing but a weenie. And then a loaded <laughs> hot dog. If you're playing the incredibly high-powered Neo Geo system, you're a real hot dog. Look at like the they have a little graph down there, like number yeah. of colors, number of sprites. It's like, you know, it's like benchmarking, like would 10 years before, you know, PC benchmarking would become a big thing. But I mean, it's kind of remarkable that the Neo Geo was kind of present and fighting at this early, considering like how amazing those games looked, even in the mid 90s. You're right, Sam. They looked amazing. Maybe they should have shown the games instead of a giant hot dog. <laughs> the There's hot no dog game screenshot here for people. Listening. And it got a crappy picture of the console on <laughs> a blanket. <laughs> it's simple. Would you rather be a cold weenie or a real hot dog? Yeah. Insult insult your audience. That's the way to go. Are uh, there slices of tomato in that hot dog? Yeah, it's a it's a Chicago dog. Mm-hmm. Do they do slices of tomato there? Oh yeah. Do, just yeah. put all that put all that garbage yeah, on there. Everything. Interesting. It's just a hamburger, but long. And then this is a storm mode. I think this has uh, some screenshots of the slight nudity in the game there. That would be covered up in the final release. Hmm. Pac-Man's back and Game Boy's got him. They added a cool. they added a multiplayer mode. Hook up with a friend to double the excitement in this first two player Pac Man. Add fuel to the rivalry by using the handicap feature, which allows two players to begin in different rounds, then oh. gulp down a ghost and shoot them to your opponent's maze. That's kind of neat. That's kind of neat. I know it's cool. Uh, I uh, the 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 Miss Pac Man for NES from Tengen has a similar mode where you can compete or, or play together in a Miss Pac Man maze, and it's really fun. Damn it! Go back to the Pac Man real quick. Uh, all the way I, to here? Yeah, it says uh, the, vi- the 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 like blurb is there's ghost to gobble, so get packing. Yeah, we Sam and I were just talking about this the other day. It's the it, second time we've heard the term packing. And and <laughs> where, where were we seeing this, uh, Sam? They said we the, saw oh, it on it the Miss Pac-Man bezel on the, at work. On the Miss Pac-Man machine, it says you're supposed to pack away the pellets. And I was like, that's why he's called Pac-Man because he packs away the pellets. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, this maybe is, that's the obvious, Matrix but... is, is super broken, the fact that we're talking about that verb once more this week when we just <laughs> talked about it on Wednesday. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, a two-brace spread for Dragon's Lair on NES and Game Boy. And no, no screenshot is shown here, which was yeah, wise. So there's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is a Laserdisc, you know, sort of interactive animated game in the arcades. It's a terrible side-scroller on NES and Game Boy. And look, can you imagine? It's like a, it's a well-known, you know, what we'd say in the industry IP by this point. You can see the logo there, mm-hmm. but they don't use a picture of the freaking character that was in a cartoon. I know. And in, in, like on TV and in arcades, they, they use live action BS. Like yeah, what they is hired, happening? They hired these two models to do it. Yeah. Why, so if you're not weird. confident in it, why even do it? Um, well, we're running out of time. This is maybe enough that we've spent on uh, this <laughs> issue because we're getting into a whole, uh, there's an insert called Turbo Champ, which is like 10 pages long. Uh, Turbo Games, the best Turbo Games of 1990. Maybe it's telling they only have five, only five. Number one was <laughs> Easebooks 1 and 2. Number two is Bonk's Adventure. Number three is Ninja Spirit, an awesome game. Number yeah. four is Military Madness, which was basically Advance Wars at the time. And then number five was Splatterhouse. And obviously this should be Probably inverted. Splatterhouse should be number one. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly, it's five pretty dope games. I mean, yeah, they are good. All really good there. And then they have that's a big what, spread that's, on. That's what Damon said to his, his kids, the kids on the playground. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. they're five pretty dope games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the spread on Bonk's Revenge. Bonk is back. 
Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Well, howdy. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Tom from London, England did. Big Tom- Tommy style. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you to do that in a British accent, but no, let's just go. You talked about how the gaming industry misuses the term retro, where in any other industry, these kinds of games would be classic or vintage. I put it to you that there's an even bigger misnomer, and GameScoop is the only podcast with the ability to correct an entire industry. Remaster has been borrowed from the music industry. And it irks me every time I hear it, because in gaming, video games aren't mastered like a record or a CD. Games are instead said to have gone gold. My suggestion, therefore, is that any remaster should instead be called Regilded. I think games <laughs> such as Alan Wake Regilded would have scored better if they had been named properly. And who knows, maybe Metroid Prime Regilded would have been an 11 out of 10 off the charts. I look forward to everyone talking about yes. the best regilded games of 2024 once the Scoop crew take up the challenge of making this superior term the standard. Sure. I just made an off the charts joke this morning. That's another funny coincidence to hear that. <laughs> um, it is true. I wonder, I wonder what the first usage of remastered was in the game. And like, you know, the process of mastering a record, it's true that that's, I don't, there's not really an analog to doing that to games. They weren't so, so they weren't calling it a remaster yet, but the first one I can think of is Mario All Stars. But isn't that more of a remake? I mean, yeah, uh, whatever. It's the same <laughs> debate we've been having for thirty years, right? Yeah. Well, wait. So is there? A, so obviously, like in in music, you, you're kind of doing like a. It's not a remix, right? That's even different. That's that, a whole different. You, you thing, mix yeah. your record and then you get it mastered, which used to mean that you make it so it's you know, all, all leveled out and all the songs are kind of have, have, have sort of similar qualities uh, audibly. And yeah. then also, so it doesn't skip your needle on a record. Like mm-hmm. there's actually like reasons to master things. So they work on consumer media and then they become digital and, and it's for other reasons now. But um, there's, there. I think people did, did he mention film? Cause I think film always had remasters also. And so they must've just become an industry Wait, term what's the, for like. What's, what's, what's an example of a remastered film? I think they say that when it's when it's been like reformatted or just like gone through and cleaned up is, is kind of like what that means. I think they call I think it like a, remastered for theaters. I think they call it like a would transfer. That, like there's a new transfer. Of, oh, of yeah. This. I remember yeah. that term, too. I don't know. I just assume I I'd heard it for other media that wasn't video games. That wasn't music. And I think it's already been diluted uh, to his well made point. Hmm. Well, we'll see if Regilded catches on. I'm all for it. I, I like it. Yeah, let's let it happen. Well, and then I think Rebirth might might work too. That's that's the new remaster. <laughs> yeah, it's been rebirthed. Now, real quick, before we get into video game twenty questions, uh, I made good on my promise, and I watched Scavengers Reign. In fact, mm-hmm. I watched the whole damn yeah. thing because it was so good. I finished it yep. a couple nights. I ago. forgot to ask you yesterday because you had almost finished it the night before. But yeah. The ending is, is just as good as the rest of it. The whole thing is great. There's 12 episodes. They're about 25 or 30 minutes long each, so it's not too difficult to get through. And it, I mean, it's not difficult at all. It's amazing. This is an amazing TV show that I think everybody should watch. What's the robot's name? Leo or? Uh, Levi. What's Levi. Yeah, that's I love what, Levi. I know. That's one of the interesting aspects. So both Justin and Sam, you've, uh, Scoop Nation, you've heard them sing the praises of the show. And mostly they say it has the craziest aliens you've ever seen, which is true. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail with no spoilers, but... This show, Scavengers Rain, if you haven't watched it, animated show where humans are exploring space and this one cargo vessel has some sort of catastrophic failure and the humans on board that aren't in cryosleep have to eject on escape pods and they land on this alien planet in different areas and each one is trying to survive and hopefully figure out how to get off the planet. But the real 
point of the show, the real like uh, reason to watch is because the creators go hard on imagining what an alien planet's ecosystem might be like and exploring everything from plants, animals, insects, what the hierarchy of predators and prey are and how the how plants have adapted to sort of spread themselves and how plants and animals are both using each other uh, to to survive in this world. And it's a whole planet that's evolved without any without no any native humans living there. And it's absolutely fascinating because every, every episode has new stuff to see and it's so cool. And I loved the whole thing. It was great. Yeah. It, it's like everything is very um, like well thought out and explained, but then yeah. also there's a lot of things that are like never explained. Like you just see something weird and crazy and then it's like, it never shows up again. And the, and the show strikes such a good balance between like, yeah, everything fitting together in an ecosystem and then also just being weird and random. It's great. Great show. So the, when Damon and I were talking about this at work, I had brought up like, this is the type of thing that I wish was inspiring open world games because it, it is such yeah. a good yeah. built world. And I, I did feel like Halo and Halo 2 and 3 were like that when I first played them. I was like, whoa, this universe is so complicated that I need to play the game a few times to understand it. You know, I really like that type of feel. And um, th- yeah, this game does that with ecosystems of worlds. So I, I just want that so bad. It would be such a cool game. Why? I, I don't think there's ever been a game like that, right? Where you're marooned on a hostile alien planet and there's you have to figure out how to survive and you're constantly encountering new things that you, you've never experienced before and you figure out how to deal with. That would be a great game. Yeah, they, I mean... It's, it's, a, it's Metroid's my dream Metroid game. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's yeah. kind of a million games like that, but none of them go as hard on like, yeah. it's going to feel weird and unusual and, you know, like I'm just going to plop you down and, with And a disconcerting knife. and gross, right? Yeah. It's like, don't touch that mushroom. Or don't ma- touch or- anything. Yeah, just don't touch anything. That would be a good uh, name. That would be a very good name for the game. Don't touch yeah. anything. <laughs> and the mind control is really disturbing in it. Yeah. All of it. There's, There's a lot lots of, of different mind stuff. control. There is a lot of body horror in it. Um, so if that's if that's uh, a deal breaker for you, just no. There is some like scary, gross body horror stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's kind of like a one one of the aliens is kind of like the main villain alien, and it's great. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Scavengers Rain, it's on Max. I highly recommend it. If I had watched it last year, it probably would have been my favorite show of last year. And in fact, nice. I think I'm going to watch it again because there's so many there's so many like little moments along the way and stuff that pays yeah. off at the end. I think yeah. I'm just there's that it again. there's that weird little alien in the middle of the flower. Yeah, What's that about. And then he I comes brought that out, up to Damon too, and he's all yeah, shriveled. The whole life like, cycle. Ah. And yeah, his life cycle is like it. seconds long. It seems like like, and then the show right. just moves on, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, that brings us to video game twenty questions, and our suggestion comes from Marcelo Campos, who says, "I hail from Mato Grosso, Brazil." Awesome. It says during your most recent show. Episode 755, you touched upon upcoming retro games. The mention of the Top Racer collection caught my attention. Surprisingly, none of the Omega Cops seemed familiar with this title. Justin drew a comparison to OutRun, while Damon said, probably does not have as good a music as OutRun's. Well, let me set the record straight. Top Racer (laughs) holds a very special place in my heart, and I'm convinced it boasts a soundtrack superior to that of OutRun. Uh, And I checked it out. It actually does have a a, a pretty good soundtrack, and I'll, I'll use the music here in this episode. Now, in your defense... Marcella says there might have been a mix-up top racer is actually the renamed version of top gear a multi-game franchise that graced the Got nes it. 
Nintendo 64 and PS2. Licensing constraints forced the recent rebranding, but in Brazil, Top Gear reigned supreme during the SNES era, perhaps even surpassing the popularity of Mario Kart. In fact, Barry Leach, the brilliant composer behind the Top Gear soundtrack, lent his talents to Horizon Chase, which is an homage to Top Gear-like games developed by the Brazilian studio Aquarius. Mm -hmm. While we're at it, here is my suggestion for video game 20 questions. Let the questioning begin. That was great. Thanks all so much for that background. And yeah, Horizon Chase yeah, is great. great. I didn't know they were made by a Brazilian studio. There's Horizon Chase and there's a sequel and they're both really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so could this game have appeared in the February 1991 issue of EGM that we looked at? Could. Yes. Great. Was this an arcade game at any point? Yes. Was this an arcade game that came out before in 1983 or earlier? No. Do you pilot a vehicle in this game of some sort? No. Is this a oh, is this a multiplayer game? Mm, multiplayer in which two players play at the same time? Is that the kind of multiplayer you mean? Uh yes. No. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, Hold on, hold on. I'm taking it back. It is possible for two people to quote unquote play this game at the same time. What the heck? Yeah, I don't, I'm very. Does this game use a joystick as its primary input in the arcade? Uh, I, I don't know. Whoa, okay. Oh, actually, um, I do know. That was really dumb of me. And the answer is hard no. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> hard no. Was it? I mean, is it a racing game then? Maybe, but you don't not, pilot a vehicle. You don't pilot a vehicle. There's not a lot of on foot racing games. <laughs> uh, did this ever get a port to the NES? Yes. Cool. Okay. Track. So what? I'm th obviously I'm thinking trackball game. But like those really stopped after '83. I think yeah. it probably is like it could be like root beer tapper or something like that with like a funny. I mean, that's not on the NES, so that's not that, but. It could be something with a just like a all buttons or is Tapper not on the NES? No, it's you, not. Then it really got uh, ported around. I don't know why. Um, okay. Uh was this game made in Japan? Yes. Is the company still making games? Yes. Is it Capcom or Konami? No. That's ten. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, give me a Sega game, I guess. I don't really have a good. You know, you so you're not in a vehicle because all I can think of is like Afterburner and stuff. That's all vehicles. So Damon said it. Space Harrier. I'm now. I'm wondering if it's a game that came out after February 1991, but like not that long after. And maybe sure, they could yeah. have been talking about it. Is this a 90s game? No. Okay. Well, there's that. <laughs> okay. So and it in between so NES. 1984 to 1989. Mm -hmm. Arcade game mm -hmm. with an NES port. Made in Japan. Not Capcom, not Konami. Company's still around. Is this, uh, maybe it's a shooter? Do we eliminate shooters? Well, except you're not in a vehicle, but it could be something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An Akari type. An Akari type. <laughs> Do you play as a human? Yes. Yeah. 
obviously Drakari Warriors is Konami, right? Or no, it's um we just talked about it on when we SNK looked at the magazine. Yeah, S and K. Is is uh is is this game guns a blazing? Yes. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> hold on, I'm ta- I'm reverting. By a blazing, do you mean like constantly? No, I mean it's just it's just to have a lot of gunfire in it. Okay, yes. What, what was a hard node having joystick controls? I don't know what to do with that. Oh, it must be a light. Is it going to be an early light gun game? Oh, that'd be so cool. It must be. A ported to NES would be weird, though, for that. Maybe it's a Nintendo game. Maybe it's a... Uh... Shoot. Duck Hunt? Yeah, but there was... um Hogan's Alley? Yeah, yeah, there were Gumshoe? other... Yeah, 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 yeah. Those, those, yeah. Those. Some of those. Was this game made by Nintendo? Yes. Wow, Justin, you cracked the case. Yeah, but you know those games better than I do. I wouldn't have. I mean, I like once I say Hogan's Alley, I can picture it in my head, but I wouldn't get there on my own. Have, have we mentioned this game already? Yes, that's fifteen. Uh, Which one is it? Do you shoot dummies in this game? Dummies? Yeah, that's Hogan's Alley. I thought you were shooting. I thought Hogan's Alley was like criminals popping up in windows and stuff. They're, they're like, they're, it's a Hogan's Alley. It's like a, you know, a shooting range. Is this game about a shooting range? No. Is it about dust? Yes. Hey. Okay. Do the honors, Justin. You got this. Is, it, is it Duck Hunt? It is Duck Hunt. <laughs> Question 18. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was really dumb when I said it. I didn't know if it was joystick based in the arcades. I didn't Hard know. I, I didn't know Duck Hunt came to the arcades. I don't think I've I ever right seen here. the arcades. I've been written my play choice. Oh. Is it yeah, the same I, as the NES or is it really different? Oh, it's, it's the same, same game. And then I, I only ever played Hogan's Alley in the arcades. You know what's different is that the gun is different. It's like an orange revolver shape. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it has a little cup holster and a little chain. And I have it off my play choice here from the arcade because I have a play choice at home and we're swapping games right now. And I the gun's messed up. I looked up a video on how to fix the gun and it's so interesting because the gun has like, you remember old um, uh, phones, uh, uh, pay phones, how they had mm-hmm. that metal line with the cable in it. So when you have like a metal like, like line out to the, 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 the phone, you can twist on that line as much as you want on the, on the gun. It can just be twisted around in a circle. So you think like, how, how do the cables never get twisted to hell in there and just break? Well, it's because they all run along this like cylindrical track with contacts inside of it. So the wires are like brushing a piece of metal inside of it while it spins. It's so complicated and it totally goes bad. And you just have to get it in there and clean that. But it's like, who, who came up with this shit? It's so crazy. That's cool. It's an interesting B-roll that uh, Jobert has picked. There's no ducks in this fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love duck hunt on the NES. I'm really, I mean... You know, I, I know you mentioned the arcade versions the same. I, I'm really fascinated. Like my memories of Double Dragon, all these games are the NES versions, right? I've I've like I've never seen the arcade versions of of many of these old classic games that and the arcade mm-hmm. versions can be like super materially different from the home console that, releases. Yeah, so. that was the look whole Contra. Point, that one looks yeah. so different and crappy, oh, yeah. and it was it was like a vertical game, and like the NES version is just better. That's what since it came up a couple of weeks ago, I've been going back and like looking at the arcade versions of more of these classic games. It's weird. It's like this parallel parallel video game history. That totally, was, that yeah. was the whole idea with these early Nintendo uh, first party games for NES. They're the exact same games as the arcade. Um, and then the whole two-player thing, the second player can control the ducks with the second controller. That's right, yeah. 
I also don't know of, if that's like okay. an, an old wives tale. Like they're like, oh yeah, press the D pad and you can control all the duck moves. And now I'm like, is that actually okay. true? Because like, yeah. if you press up, the duck doesn't go up. It's sort no, of you just, just like, control the erratic sideways. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but then it, but then they're already moving erratically. And so now as I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, maybe that's not true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> maybe you're yeah, not I, I didn't know that. I'd never heard that even as a as a rumor. And I think yeah. that's really interesting. I wonder if it works in the play choice. Yeah, that's funny. I, 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 I'm like 50, 50. Cause like, I heard the same thing, Damon, like, yeah, player two can move the ducks, but I'm like, but they don't move the way you tell them to. And I'm like, maybe that's just <laughs> one of those little brother rumors where you hand them the hey. controller. <laughs> it moves like a duck and it quacks like a duck. Are you controlling it? <laughs> the original duck game. Uh, thank you for the suggestion, Marcel. Viewers, listeners, if you have your own suggestions for video game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamesoup at IGN.com. And that's going to do it for this week's, or that's all the scoops that we have. I started ending this like next gen console watch. That's all the scoops that we have for you this week. <laughs> Thank you about Sam and Justin. Uh, we'll have uh, fun stuff to talk about next week with whatever Xbox reveals about the future of its business. Thank you to Jobert working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Games and Route.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.